Welcome to another episode of the Bandwagon Podcast. And today's guest, um, it's, it, what I'm going to blame is my timeline and my wife for this one. Um, so normally, when you're on social media, or Instagram especially for me, you're scrolling through, you're scrolling through, and something takes your interest. Normally, if it's good for me, I kind of scroll over it and carry on. But my wife um, put me onto this uh, onto this account, and it really fascinated uh, really fascinated me, including because of the history of working in addictions and substance misuse. Um, this kind of area is a um, is, is fascinating. So, without further ado, I want to invite Sharon Verma from Nutrition and You. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Um. Thanks for being so quick on Instagram. I really appreciate that. There's a lot of people. I love them. You, you never hear again. No, do you know what? I appreciate every single comment, every single DM I get. There's a lot of people who will not comment on my post, but then they'll DM me to, you know, ask me for help or sort of guidance because there's a lot of stigma that's related to liver disease. Okay. So I, w- I want to kind of um, start with this chronologically mm-hmm. from in terms of like your interest. Yeah. Your personal relationship with yeah. in terms of setting this up, and and then we'll get to things towards the end if that's all right. Of course. So, what was a, a young Sharon like, and did that stimulate this whole creation of you of nutrition in you? So a young Sharon was completely opposite of what you see today. She was overweight. She was just she didn't see food for what it was. It was a lot of emotional eating involved. She went through her own period of, you know, losing the weight, finding herself. But the interest in liver began when her dad was diagnosed with um, liver disease. And at that time, we actually laughed, thinking, hang on, dad doesn't drink alcohol. The doctors have got this wrong. He doesn't got, you know, he can't have liver disease. But it was only when we spoke to the doctor and the doctor said, actually, this is non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. You know, it can get serious, but he's at the stage where he can reverse it. So he was 50 when he was diagnosed with liver disease in 2001. And by 2011, only 10 years later, he passes away from having a fatty liver. So from that, my interest started to grow, thinking, why don't people talk about it? Why wasn't it, you know, why isn't it common knowledge that there is a silent killer out there that can be prevented through diet and lifestyle? There's no pills for this. It's not as if you've got a diabetic or You've got high cholesterol levels. The doctor's going to prescribe you with the medication. Your medicine in this instant is food. Why isn't anybody speaking about this? So I spent about a good nine, maybe 10 years of my own grief, trying to come to terms with what happened. Um, and after the birth of my second child, I thought, okay, I can't go back to work because my boss has told me I can't come back full part-time. So let's do what I want to do. Let's go into nutrition. And that's how Nutrition New was born. And I thought, this is what I want to do. I want to tell people about this disease. I want to prevent more South Asian people from developing it. It's not discussed about, everyone talks about diabetes. They talk about cholesterol. You know, your thyroid's got it, your jata's got it, everybody's got it. But nobody talks about this silent killer because there's no signs. So that, in a nutshell, is where I'm at now, kind of. Yeah, so uh, kind of a personal bit was, I was aware of it. When the doctor, uh, you just normally have a checkup and they said, mm-hmm. oh, you know, they said, oh, you've got the signs of it. And, and you know, I was almost panicking there and then, um, quite rightly, to be fair. Yeah. And, and then I got some comfort in the in the madness in terms of saying, oh, about 80% of the population's got it or something ridiculous. Yeah. Around, really. So, like, you know, you got to sort yourself out, yeah. do exercise, eat food. And then 
it's at the forefront of your mind for like two, three weeks or a month, and then you kind of it just slides off that that scale. Yeah. yeah. Can you just tell me then the difference then between, and if you can explain it, the difference between the food relation of of uh, non-fatty liver disease and the the alcohol one, because if quite rightly before when um, you know when you were when your dad got diagnosed at that point, you were yeah. called, you said it yourself. You were laughing it off because he he didn't drink. So were there kind of clear indications? Of, are there differences between the two? So if you're going to be consuming a lot of alcohol, so if you're having more than 14 units of alcohol a week, you're going to lead to like an inflamed liver that could lead to scarring, etc. But when it comes to fatty liver disease, it's starting off with you being, maybe you lead a sedentary lifestyle. Maybe you're gaining a bit of weight or you're overweight. And like you said yourself, you found out because the doctor told you. Fatty liver disease has no signs. So when you're getting those fatty deposits, there's nothing for you to say that it's going on inside. It's only once the damage is done, so to speak, that you will start to feel maybe aches and pains around your abdomen area. Maybe you get a bit of fatigue, things that you can easily brush off. And you think, you know what, it's all right, I'll just, I'm just overtired. That's, I think that's the thing with fatty liver disease. There's no science until the damage is done. And this is why education is so important. And this is why it's really important to drill the importance of having the healthier lifestyle. I know it's not sexy. It's really boring, you know, just having the good food and not eating out as much. But if you look at the bigger picture, your liver is your body's main factory system. I want you to imagine it as being the head of the orchestra. If it doesn't work properly, all of your other organs won't work. It's like the head is just as vital as your heart. Yeah, I, I had it explained to me something. It was actually related to um, Sikian in one way, and when it first came up, which was around about how y- your body is like a symphony and it's all performing, and you and all your organs are the main bit. If it's out of sync, then like the sound is out of out of place, and you the vibration, your energy is off point. Um, mm. You know, to have to have that kind of spiritual well being. Yeah. Um, so you you know you've just discussed it from the from the liver. So when when you came out of that kind of grief cycle that you were talking about as best as you can at that point, yeah. And you went into this. What was your first experiences of of having people to come and speak to you? Did you where did you have to go and become medically trained, or was it just an area that you were looking at? Yeah. So I first qualified as a health coach. So with that, you can give nutritional guidance. So when I joined Instagram, it was all about the calorie deficit. Um, but I was kind of like singing, singing from the same hymn sheet as everybody else. So I took a break from social media. And then my husband was like, what is it? What's the message that you're trying to get across? I was like, people need to know about liver disease. He was like, well, then just talk about liver disease. And that's what I've done. But what I did was I've always stayed in touch with the British Liver Trust because they gave they were such a big support when dad was going through his um, treatment that I reached out to them I said listen this is what I'm going to be doing now on Instagram I'm putting the message out and they're like you know what if you can support us and help us in raising awareness then go for it you know any sort of um, booklets you need any sort of material you need tell us we'll provide it for you so I've gone down that route but I've also recently qualified as a nutritionist as well because I wanted to make sure that I can help people to a certain extent because with liver disease if it's at a fatty liver stage or at NASH stage, which is a, which is slightly more, it's when your liver becomes inflamed. I can still help you at that point. But when it goes to liver fibrosis or the end stage liver disease, you're going to need to have people at the hospital helping you. And the reason why I think it's so important for people to make sure they get the right support is because there are so many, 
unqualified nutritionists on Instagram calling themselves nutritionists after maybe doing a six-week program on Groupon or, you know, just doing a quick course. It takes years to get qualified. And when you're dealing with something like this, you're dealing with people's lives. So the integrity needs to be there. Have I gone off track? No, 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 this is perfect because it was actually, I wanted to kind of take it back to your, um, you know, your, why you took the break when you first went on Instagram. What was your challenges that you were facing then? I wasn't standing out. My message wasn't coming across. It was coming across as lose weight. But the why wasn't there. My why wasn't strong enough. Why am I telling you? Why am I encouraging you to lead a healthier lifestyle? Why am I telling you to lose weight? It's not to get into, you know, to, to be aesthetically pleasing. It's to make sure you're, you know, you're healthy from within. It's to make sure you are looking after your liver. So now I've done like a 360. I'm like, listen, this is all about the liver. My page is all about the liver. I'm here to help you. I'm here to guide you. It's, if it doesn't sit well with you, by all means, leave. But this is what I'm talking about because more people need to talk about it. And, and particularly more South Asian uh, people you were saying. Yeah. A lot of South Asians are prone to it. What, do you know why, why that it's is? Just our, you know what? It's just our makeup. We are prone to. We go, have got the shit. Uh, you know, in my public health background, like eight South Asians that do have this shit. We've got, yeah. got the short straw. Yeah, um, poor <laughs> fat conversion, diabetes, heart disease, cholesterol. Yeah, we're at the top of the list. Like, hey, yeah, come and get us first. And that's why it's so important that for us in our generation to educate our parents, to educate people around us, you know, so that they understand that. Do you know what? You can make simple swaps. You don't need to have like fried pakora. You can have baked ones. You don't need to have like cooking ghee, cooking rapeseed oil. You know, try and make small little changes. But being active, I don't mean doing a HIIT workout. I mean going out for a daily walk, for example. A 30-minute walk, it would be great for you. It's great for your mental health, but it's also great for your cardiovascular, cardiovascular health as well. You know, making small little changes, aiming to lose 5 to 10% of your body weight if you're overweight. That will also help you. You know, having more plant-based foods, that's going to help you. The most researched diet for fatty liver disease is the Mediterranean diet. It's got, it's full of obviously fresh fruits, fresh vegetables, nuts, beans, pulses. You've got protein in there. It's a very fresh way of eating and it's encouraged as well. And I know in the winter months it's difficult because nobody wants to have a salad because it's cold. But there are still ways that you can make a meal healthier by having, you know, you can roast your vegetables, for example. The, you know, by roasting vegetables, they naturally become sweet. So you can still make it palatable for you. So you can have roti. There's a misconception because I deal with a, I eat, a lot of my patients are South Asian. There is a misconception that you have to give up roti. You don't. What age group are you dealing with mainly? Because a lot of the younger generation that like, I'm going to class myself as you know, just for this argument, um, you know, roti is dwindling. Chapati food is dwindling yeah. in terms of frequency. Yeah. So, like, I can understand the. Um, the audience and who you're targeting from the older but are you still saying i suppose what i'm getting to is what's the age range that you're you're dealing with the most youngest client i've got at the moment is 30 the eldest client is in their 50s what's the average and would you say 40s then like late 30s late 30s is pretty much the average now late 30s mid 40s is my average client but the client that i'm dealing with who's making the rugby are living in joint families okay so they're having the same meal as everybody else in the family. So it's like a catch me too, like, what should I do, Sharon? Because, you know, I need to cook, but I don't want to cook a separate meal. I'm like, well, you can still have the same meal. Just don't put butter in it, for example. So when you're doing your darka for dal, don't do it in butter. Do it in water. Put it all in together. 
You know, if you're going to have roti, don't chop it. Small little things, but I say to them, bulk your plate with salad. Put some vegetables on there. That's going to fill you up. And so do you don't you, feel like you're on a diet. Does, does the liver disease, is it more prone to males or females? Uh, more, or does it doesn't it, discriminate. It doesn't, it, say again, sorry? It doesn't discriminate. Right, okay. overweight and you lead an unhealthy lifestyle, you're having a lot of processed food you will get liver disease. In fact, one in three people have got it right now and they have no idea. The only way they find out is if they go for a blood test and it might come up, it might show their liver, liver function slightly raised. They'll go for a scan maybe and then it'll be confirmed. But apparently 180 people are diagnosed every single day that they have liver disease. I think right about now, there's a few people who listen to this who's probably shitting themselves going, oh my God. Um, Right, okay. So, and then, because if we go back to the South Asian, especially men's, kind of the stereotype in terms of high level of, of drinking within some communities within there, and having the pressure of, you know, dietary uh, yeah. choices that they're making, this the scale of risk just increases massively then. How do you then, when you've got a client in front of you who's got uh, probably an alcohol issue, let's say in this case, plus the diet one, how do you kind of um, deal with somebody with complex needs? If they, are you asking me if they're an alcoholic? Yes, because cause if, if we think about, obviously, like, you know, um, life doesn't come with a simple kind of, like, box of grey and, uh, you know, uh, yeah. black and white, sorry, people operating grey. But if you've, got, if you've got somebody in front of you who's got poor diet, yeah. plus is drinking a little bit more you know on the audit c scale they you know they they're having a high unit how do you tackle which bit first so for me it'd be diet first but if they were say an alcoholic they would need to get that right help or that other support to help them because i'm not qualified to do that yeah. i can help you with your food and i can give you that guidance but they would also need support and you know encouragement from somebody else who can also monitor the alcohol intake and give them you know the necessary support and help that they need but in terms of diet for me it's really important if they are over consuming alcohol to know what stage of liver disease they are at so yes they have you know they might be diagnosed with liver disease but what stage is it have you like scarred your liver to the point where it's at fibrosis that I can't do much now to help you mm. or are you at liver cirrhosis which is known as end-stage liver disease pretty much speaks for itself that you know you're heading towards a transplant you know well, you know, what stage of liver disease are you at? Because if and you're in stage one or stage two, sure, I can help you. Anything beyond that, you need a liver consultant. So when you're when you're when you're dealing and you're trying to raise the awareness, how difficult is it then to get this on the social agenda, the social space from it? What's the kind of challenges and obstacles that you face? Because you so you said you said you said you faced the challenge of, of the algorithm. Of course, and, it was, yes. you know, and, and you and then you've come in, and then I've obviously spotted you. So some, well, yeah. so at some point, it's 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 worked for you. Then yeah. have you seen an increased volume since you've gone back into it and being more focused on it? The more people that are following me now are following me because they've been told they might be at risk of liver disease. Right. So obviously, going on to Google, Google's telling them that they're going to die because that's what it does, and then they're trying to find me then or, or find someone on Instagram who does it. They're finding my account. I'm like, hey, listen. You can control this. If you've just been told you've got liver disease, you're still early stages. You can reverse it. So in terms of like the algorithm on Instagram, I'm not fighting against it. I know that my content is good and it will reach the right people. That's it. I'm there to serve and to help people. 
because Jesus. I don't want anyone to go through what we went through as a family because we were ill-informed. We didn't know anything about it. And did you feel that... I, I, I always kind of... Um, kind of know the answer to this, but a little bit. But want you, you might have a different take on it. Is it more kind of some of the awareness that's out there different for communities is it tailored is them are the messages different for communities out there the way that it's come uh, the way it's already conducted does it need to be bespoke more it does so you will get a booklet pretty much like something like that a doctor might give you alcohol related or not alcohol non-alcohol related fatty liver disease yeah. doctor will give it to you once you diagnose say here give me this book lose weight that is it and the reason they do that is because they're not qualified to give you nutritional advice right but if your liver, you've got no pain there, after two, three weeks, you're going to forget about it. So what I'm working at the moment is I'm trying to work um, with a company where I can get my booklet translated into Punjabi or Hindi and have it, you know, and just readily give it. Have it at Gurdwaras, have it at Mandars, places where people can see it, read it, understand it. Because I know that if my dad, I mean, he could speak English, but... I know that if he had someone who he could have spoken to in Punjabi, he would have felt a bit more at ease. And that's why I've done a couple of reels in Punjabi to try and help people to get the message across so that, you know, because our parents don't, they're not going to read this. I know my dad got a booklet and I know it went in the bin, that that was him. Mm. You know, so the information has to be tailored for every single um, culture, I think, out there. Okay. Within our community. So... What I want, um, if I kind of ask you then, in terms of like one of the things that you you concentrate on and, and you offer is around kind of meal planning. What would like a typical healthy meal look like for, um, for let's say, a 40-year-old? Okay, so I don't give any meal plans. Ah, okay. I don't do meal plans because meal plans will make you feel like you're in a diet and they're very generic and they're very hard to stick to. Okay. What I think is don't think about what you can take away from your diet what can you add to your diet what can you add to your diet that's going to be more nutritious what can you add to your diet that's going to give you more fiber for example how can we do that let's make it more palatable for you because if you enjoy the food you're eating you're going to stick to it mm. a meal plan you're going to you'll stick to it maybe a week two weeks three weeks at the most you think you know what forget that i'm going for a takeaway so you the language to... uh, the language is really important in terms of the mm -hmm. stigma around it yeah. so meal planning is a no-no word but it's yeah. more about assets of what yeah. you can Let's right, add okay. to your diet. So like, I know you said for a 40 year old, but there's a lot more to that. You'll have to take in your base metabolic rate. That means how much your body's burning at rest. I need to look at how physically active you are. I need to put that all together, then work out your, how much energy your body needs just to survive. And then I'll say, okay, you need to lose weight. So let's put your calories, I don't know, say I gave you a calorie count of 1800 calories a day. It's up to you how you spend those calories. I want to see what sort of foods you're going to eat. I'll then look at your food diary if you choose to track your calories. From there, I'll say, hey, do you know what? I don't see much greens in your diet. Let's add some in. I don't see much protein in your diet. Let's add this in. Why don't you swap, for your, say, your white bread for your brown bread instead? You know, why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? So we're working together. I don't dictate. I help you. I support you to get you to a place so that you never need to go to any dietitian or nutritionist or any like weight loss program again because you've got the tools you've got the knowledge to lead that healthier lifestyle and that's what it comes down to it has to be sustainable because this isn't like a 90-day plan 
This is a lifelong plan, something you can stick to for the rest of your life. It has and, to be. And is there some of the, what are the core things, the easy, low, sorry, forgive the pun, the low-hanging fruit that people can kind of take on? Because is there a vitamin supplement that really helps the liver function? Is there any particular, uh, you see milk thistle is one. I think that was one of the things I kind of milk went thistle to. Is, um, it's not an evidence-based supplement. Um, some people choose to take it, but there's no evidence behind it that says that it does help liver disease. So I would say take that information with a pinch of salt. You can get all your vitamins and minerals from having a variety of fruits and vegetables in your diet. There's a there's a, a phrase which is called eat the rainbow. The reason why we're asking you to eat the rainbow, different colors, is because you're going to get a varied amount of nutrients into your diet. A very easy way to do that. Like you were saying, low-hanging fruit. Things people can easily do. You can increase your movement on a daily basis. 30 minutes out of your day, I'm sure you can do that. You can snack on fruits. You know, you can have vegetables in your diet. And to make it easier, you can get those steam bags. There's nothing wrong with having steam bags, steamed vegetables, for example. You know, you can increase your water intake throughout the day. The little things that you are able to do that are, are within inside your control. You can like plan your meals for the week. When you go for your food shop, you can say, okay, what are we having on a daily basis? And one thing I say to my clients is if you can, batch cook. If you're making dal, make extra, freeze it. So a day that you know you're busy, just take it out in the morning, is done. The things that you can do to help yourself, but it's taking that action. And that's where people sometimes stumble because they can't, it's not, I wouldn't say they can't be bothered, but they're tired. Yeah. So a very, very uh, maybe I'm, I'm drilling into this a little bit too deep in it because uh, it's more personal bias than that. But is things like kale and all those things really essential, right? The greens especially, because when I was looking into it before, it was all about <laughs> greens. You could get all the, what are they called? Pocket, is it the pucker? Is it the pucker tea? You know, the... It's not, oh, yeah. Those herbal teas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you got the teas. What's the company called? Not Twining. It oh, is PPUK, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And they used to do some tablets. Yeah, this all in what six one. Uh, yeah, I had them for a little bit. How did you feel? I'll be honest. Yeah, I think a lot of it is a down to convenient. I'm not a great cook at all, and I'm saying that quietly so no one can overhear me there. Um, so it's just about the ease of convenience. I think so. I, I speak to a lot of my mates around there who have a lot of shakes. Or they'll um, or they'll be on like Huel, or they'll be doing loads of like the, the, the fads and that. And when I kind of when you break it down, it's about access, isn't it? It's about I don't even say it's about being lazy. I think it's just not about having that preparation uh, of actually planning what the wheat looks like. Yeah. And so where you've got it early convenience that if you know, oh, here's a here's a juice with everything that you need in one go. Drink it down. Okay, I can tick that off the list and then yeah. i can carry on with it is that is that fair to think to say or is it or no, are they in the minority i don't think what you're saying is wrong because obviously if someone gives you something in a bottle for example and says here drink it it's got all your fruits in there you'll drink it but where's your fiber coming from that fiber has been broken down you're just gonna it's just basically water and sugar and that's it you're gonna be knocking it down but is, is it gonna fill you up no it's not gonna fill you up if, if you had an actual meal, a substantial meal, maybe it's a sandwich, maybe it's a jack potato with alongside some fruit, you're going to get the fiber that your body needs. That's going to fill you up. If you're pairing it with protein, for example, like maybe you have a chicken sandwich, that's going to fill you up. Protein is known to help with satiety levels, which means it keeps you fuller for longer. Why? Because our bodies take longer to digest that, that meal. Yeah, so yes, I know convenience is there, 
but also look at the bigger picture. And if need be, there are companies out there who can supply you with your meals. And no, it's not processed. They can still supply you with these meals. They've just been frozen. You just put bung them in the microwave and it's there to help you. Your macros, for example, if you're following a strict plan, your macros will be sorted out for you as well. But just be careful about where you're sourcing your food from. Why? Because you still, if you're going to be having something that you think is healthy, for example, I don't want to name a company, but they might be coming across as innocent. But when you actually look at their packaging, it's not so innocent because their sugar is really high in there. And you're thinking, okay, maybe I shouldn't have had that. Maybe if, if I ate that amount, it's better. And also think about it. You know, when you're having those bottles of smoothies, for example, and maybe it's got 10 pieces of fruit, I don't know. Ask yourself, could you sit down in one sitting and actually eat the amount of fruit that's in there and vegetables that are in there? My guess is you couldn't. Mm. You'd be full. You'd struggle to eat that much. Try it. I don't know. I'm, I'm, if my body language throughout all of this is getting very defensive, I'm just. Well, you know, I'm like, yeah, it's not me. It's someone else. Just taking, just taking exactly what I've just said there about um, picking up those those signs, the nonverbals, uh, body language. W one of the things that you're working with when you're when you're talking to you is obviously the mindset. How do yeah. you help shift people along to kind of prioritize that that health? Because everybody, when you work, when you speak with smokers or vapors now, yeah. everybody knows it's not the greatest for them. Yet they still continue to do it. I yeah. think anything in excess that people do is not going to be good for anybody. Yeah. How do you kind of temper the mindset to get it more concentrated, to get it focused? It takes someone on average six months. It takes six months before something will become ingrained and become a habit. So when you start making these lifestyle changes, I don't expect my client to be hitting it every single day, but I want to see that they're trying to make an effort. So when they join you know, when they're on the platform, I will set them habits and they will take it to say, yes, they've done it. Or they'll just say, no, they haven't done it for whatever reason. But it's, it's them making that change on a daily basis and making that decision to make that change on a daily basis and stick to it, which ingrains that habit. And that then becomes second nature to them. It's a bit like brushing your teeth. You brush your teeth twice a day. Why do you do it? Because it's ingrained in you to do it. It's a habit. You know, it's healthy. The same way, my clients will start to include more fruits and vegetables into their diet. They'll start moving more. It just becomes second nature. Why? Because they understand the benefits that comes with it. Weight loss is a byproduct of leading a healthy life. When you look at it as a long-term sustainable habit that you're implementing, where I, I say to my clients, look at weight loss as being the byproduct. Mm. But look at your in, or, you know, look at improving your internal organ health especially your liver health it, it it reminds me of a conversation that i had with a, a former uh public health director many years ago and um he, he was talking about about south asian bodies in general but around one of the things that you work on is is having a positive relationship with the body and why um in in some cultures and communities the the relationship with food is so is it, it can vary so much and it goes that if if grandparents or your great grandparents or had um, you know very scarce food, that would determine you know their their offspring in terms of their kind of genetic um, 
a relationship with food as well, about storing fats a little bit more. And then when we went more towards the Western world and you've got the access to uh, poorer foods, for example, access to more food, but not as not as good for you. And we go into that starvation mode and we're just storing, you know, a lot of, um, so to speak, crap in there. The how long do you how long do you think that relationship with um with food would needs to change? So when you're working with someone, yeah, that it, Paul McKenna does a, a lot of work around that the relationship between portion sizes uh, and how to chew your food correctly uh, and the types of food around that. That education is that something that you work on in particular, or do you think that that needs to be a little bit more wider? It all goes hands in hand. So while, when they're learning about sustainable, healthy habits, portion size is, is taken into a con- in consideration. How to read food labels, that's taught to you as well. It's a whole number of aspects that you take into consideration in order for it to become, say, ingrained in somebody, for them to see that, do you know what, there is other options available. And when you were talking about the scarcity mindset, you know, when we were growing up, we were always told to clear our pay- plates. So growing up, obviously into adulthood, you're going to be like, oh, no, clear your plate. I need to clear my plate. But you need to actually think back to actually, you know, am I full or am I eating because I've been told to clear my plate? And it's then when you start to question things. So one thing I'll say to my clients is before you eat, ask yourself, are you hungry? So before you pick that snack, are you picking it because it's 11sies? And because it's 11sies, it's time to have tea and biscuits. Or are you having it because you're genuinely hungry? Or are you lacking in energy in the afternoon? Is that why you're reaching for that chocolate bar? Or is it because you generally just think, do you know what, I fancy planting? What is it? What's making you go for that? So being really in tune and being mindful about what you're choosing, that's what's going to help. I wanted to ask you, I haven't, we we haven't had this pre-conversation before, so like I don't expect answers on it at the spot if, if, if you need to know more information. But there's kind of three diets that are very kind of popular out there, which I say diets, I could say eating styles, let's put it that yeah. way, in that side of it. One is around the keto diet. Um, is that something, is that one that you come in contact with or people think it's the gold? So there's three. I, I was going to say the keto diet, the yeah. um, like the start intermittent fasting yeah. um, and around the carnivore diet. Mm-hmm. Now, the, the carnivore diet is more popular in the States where it's just kind of like meat only and the very little kind of vegetables in there, but the weight drops. It, there's loads more kind of energy um, based on kind of like the studies that have been put and, and, and testimonies yeah. of people. I've had experience of intermittent fasting um, yeah. and it really did help help, help me for, for a while. I, I think I dropped like a stone and a half in about, say, coming up to a couple of months. Um, and that was taking out sugar as well out of my diet. I could not believe I've started again. Uh, no, no, not the fasting, but having still having a coffee, a couple of sugars in there, and it and uh, you know I might have two or three coffees a day. And when I I can't think of at the end of that week how many sugars I've had. It it, it really disgusts me. But I remember when I did the intermittent fasting at that point and how much I dropped. But what I noticed at the time was my energy levels went right, especially when with that body frame. When I was playing football, I couldn't play the same way because my body hadn't adapted to it, and I was just getting pushed off the ball or anything. I didn't have, I, I felt, I looked better. I felt, um, but 
I was really a lot weaker, didn't have any of the strength in there. When you're working with people, do you consider those things when when you're putting those, um, not food plans, but the asset mapping of food? Yeah. So all of those diets you mentioned, I've got one thing in common. Okay, go on then. They are creating a calorie deficit. That's all you're doing, right? So you can't argue with the law of thermodynamics. If you're consuming less energy than what your body's burning, you're going to lose weight. If you're consuming the same amount as you're burning, you're going to stay the weight. You're going to stay the same. If you're consuming more than what you're burning, you're going to gain weight. So all these diets have done is put you in a deficit. The reason why keto works so well is because obviously you're and, and the carnivore, you're eliminating carbohydrates. One gram of carb holds your body will hold up to maybe three grams of water. So that initial weight loss that you're seeing on that scale that you're cheering is a loss of water, not body fat. So what I say to my clients, because they've done all these diets, is we're not going on those diets. We're going to include all food groups. I will put you in a calorie deficit and you will see for yourself. You can eat everything. You will lose the weight. You will improve your liver health. And if you have got liver disease and you're doing something like intermittent fasting, it can actually cause more damage to your liver. Yeah. So while these diets are come across as appearing to be really sexy, because, you know, everyone wants to know, oh, what diet are you on? What diet are you on? You're looking brilliant. Look at this. You know, how amazing. Let's do this. Let's do that. But the basics is what you need to focus <coughs> on. There's that. That's my take on it. Oh, I feel like I'm at school again now. <laughs> oh, no. Basics. You won't go wrong. Yeah. And I think, but that I think it's it's so crucial. I I think that is a massive gap, and where in terms of the education and the relationship with food of knowing where it is, because obviously you, as kids, the kids don't choose their kind of lunches. Their their lunch boxes are prepared for them. If people go to McDonald's, I think people don't even know that if you have a Happy Meal, there's a fruit section that you can kind of yeah. order. There's all. It's not. A lot of the fast foods, deliveries, all these things that are available now, it's yeah. that market is just so it's exploded. It's crazy. Yet at the other extreme, it's a, a cost of living crisis. Yeah. People are using food banks that don't have those choices yeah. of, of of having probably the more healthier foods, which may cost even more. Yeah. Is there? You mentioned like the British Liver Trust at that point. Is that part of a bigger, wider conversation? You're part of a conversation to kind of get those things um more on the front line yeah so when uh the, well i think it was last year the british liver trust before a book went into publication they asked me to have a read of it and i read it and i said to him can you please just simplify this book because most of the stuff you're putting in it, the verbiage you put in here is all medical terms people aren't going to understand that yeah and in their books now they have put about you know eating healthily etc but when you talk about food not being accessible in terms of costs I know fresh fruit and fresh vegetables can be expensive if you're going towards the organic range. You don't have to have the organic range. Go for the normal range, just wash it. If that's too expensive for you, go for the tinned version. Just go for the ones that isn't in um, added salt. Go for the, There's nothing wrong with having you know chickpeas and kidney beans and peas that are in um, that are, that are canned. You can still eat them. They're still healthy for you. It's knowing how you know to how to adapt it and not falling for these scams or these marketing gimmicks where foods are labelled as superfoods. It's not superfood. Sorry, if I'm bursting a bubble. It's not really superfood. It's still got, you know, why is kale more 
superior to an orange. They've both got vitamin C in them. Mm. You know, why is one food pushed to be super than another one? Well, at the you're moment... Having, you're having a balanced diet and you're having, like I said, eating the rainbow. You're getting an, a, a variety of vitamins and minerals into your diet. Yeah. And that, I mean, that's what it should be. Yeah, I think it makes it even harder as well when you see like the news today um, around supermarkets limiting people oh, yeah. to fruit and vegetables as well. That's going to have a uh, another kind of knock-on effect as well. Um, again, so in terms of the consciousness and getting this on the agenda, are you, are people working with schools, especially in terms of the education around specifically liver health? I went to my daughter's school and I did a talk, and her her year is. I went to her school when she was in reception. She's in year one now. And I took the liver with me. That was given to me by the British Liver Trust. And I didn't talk to kids about liver disease. I didn't want to scare them. But I showed them this is the liver. Told them where it was located. And we spoke about what foods do they think that the liver likes to have? And what foods should they have less of? You know, should they be doing more sitting down work? Or should they be outside playing? So it's a really good interactive session. And what I'm going to try and do now is try and be more regular with the school. So I've done reception. I want to see now if I can work up to year six and just really get the message across them so they understand that their liver is just as important as their heart. And I think if we teach them now and also teach the parents as well, because what I did was, apart from giving the speech to the kids, I also put a leaflet in um, that was hand-given to them saying, give this to your mum and dad. So their mum and dad could also see about the liver. Got my contact details on there. Some of them contacted me saying, listen, that was really great. Thanks for letting us know. But I do think we have to teach them young from a young age. It has to be done. When you, were speaking... I think even us, our generation, needs to know about it. We need to be talking about it. We need to be making it more aware, you know, because everyone, like I said to you before, talks about diabetes, cholesterol levels. Nobody talks about liver disease. And when you had, um, when you were speaking with the children, obviously a lot of the information would have been taught to them. Were you shocked with some of the answers that they were coming out with? Yeah, I mean, they already knew about healthy eating. They already knew about having their fruits and vegetables, why it's important. They already said, you know, we shouldn't have fizzy drinks, etc. We shouldn't be eating takeaways too much, etc. So you know, the school's already doing the job there in terms of educating them about eating well. But the why, I think, needs to be a little bit more ingrained into them. So as they get to adulthood, they understand that whatever they're going to be putting into their body has a repercussion. So if you are leading an unhealthy lifestyle and your diet is primarily takeaways, there is going to be something not nice coming your way. Like I did a post today, actually, which I think might annoy some people, where I just put a lot of people are going to get annoyed with this, but you are happy to drop one to five K on May a handbag. But when it comes to improving your health, you see your health as an expense. But what I say to you is without your health, you have, you've got nothing. The old handbags. Um, <laughs> the I noticed some of the you know going down to more kind of your service and stuff. And before anyone says it, this has isn't been an ad. This hasn't been a plug oh, no. or anything. I I did a a, a New Year's put um podcast where I was talking about very be very careful where you get your information and your motivational quotes from, and knowing scams and all this stuff. So like. You know, I looked into your work quite heavily and, and I saw the information on the hence why I wanted to get you on. One of the things that you do, um, I want to kind of give you credit for, is the the resources that you produce and that, that, you, that you're able to share. How do you kind of um, 
what are yeah if you just want to share what, what resources that you do have and how you utilize them so i've got a liver scoring app oh it's, it's a link you go into my bio score your liver health if your liver health is not great i will send you a liver guide for free it's got all the information you need so that you can make that change where i come in and where my services come in is if you need that accountability factor so if you need someone in your corner saying come on you can do this you've got this let's do it one stage at a time you will succeed but then it's not to say that those that my liver guide isn't going to help you and it's certainly there's some people that will read that information take it in and say right i know what i need to do i know what i need to implement and they will go away and do it i'm here to serve i want to make sure like i said before that nobody goes through what we, what we went through as a family dad was only 60 when he died he was he was, he was young you know he was coming to retirement age he shouldn't have died and if had we have known what diet he should have been following maybe who knows so i couldn't save my dad but maybe i can save someone else and if i can brilliant yeah i mean it's it's part of that statistic isn't it is something r- roughly along the lines of 70 percent of deaths over the age of 40 is from preventable causes that's yeah. life Type 2 diabetes, that's preventable. Cardiovascular disease, it's preventable. Liver disease, preventable. All these diseases, they're preventable. And it comes down to our lifestyle, our lifestyle choices. Oh, this is going to be, oh, this is going to be really, really charming. This this motivation, I can see it. Um, You also did, kind of, was this like recipes, like uh, recipe books or anything like that that you kind I've of... Got, um, I had some recipe books um, done for me. So that I can, you know, if, if clients are like, you know what, I'm really stuck. I don't know what to have. Here, check this check this recipe out. And are you making that culturally sensitive as well to communities or is it like, that you're working on? I need to start working on that one. Yeah. Devising one that's a bit more culturally. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So no one's going to have any excuse now. I'm you know gonna what's going to be missing now? It's probably you're just like a cooking channel guide, like a program in it on your YouTube channel. Yeah. I'm you know, cooking. Like, well, and I don't know, man. And this is, I think it's going to kind of wake up a few people, especially in your in your circles around. Because, mm. like, you know, your dad's age when he was 60, um, and and the people older, like, if they had it, it probably it would have been rare if it was food, um, but higher for, for when it was kind of alcoholic. But because, yeah. like, likes and Nando's and things went around, now our generation, the younger generation, got loads of kind of these the the takeouts and takeout culture yeah. food culture so to speak so this will be coming put it down to like the the want it now culture we're so used to having everything at our fingertips right we're not used to having to wait for anything and i think with the the rise of deliveroo uber eats those sort of companies that give you things to your door there's no need for you now to actually go in the kitchen and make something yeah that's going to take maybe 30 minutes why do that when you can get delivery? That temptation's there. At least, you, you know, at least you were able to walk to the chippy and then lose a little bit of calories either way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Whereas now, you're, you're basically not even walking. You're just getting, you're walking to the door, bringing your food in, and that's it. What, it's what, like one time culture. Yeah. What, what, is, what would you say are the common myths that people miss? If you haven't already covered them, what do you mean? What myths? So you know, like we mentioned, one is where liver disease only alcohol. Is there, is there oh. any? Yeah, is there any other myths that that um, or misconceptions that people have? 
people believe that they need to detox the liver. Now, your liver, one of the functions of it is to remove toxins and harmful waste from your body. So it's doing the detoxing for you. You don't need detox teas. They don't work. All they do is send you to the toilet. That is it. Stay away from detox teas. Your liver does it for you. It does all the detoxing. That's the biggest myth I've heard when it comes to um, curing liver disease. Let's kill that industry there and then. <laughs> okay. People like to think they're doing something good for their body, right? So they will have these teas and then they'll weigh themselves a couple of days later. But of course, they're going to be lighter. You've just pooed it all out. Mm. You've lost a lot of water. So do you but your liver is meant to be doing that for you. It does over 500 processes a day. You talked about um, the the relationship with food before and people's eating habits, especially in joint families. You know, it it, it works similarly kind of codependency that if, if you've got a couple who are using together, the it's, it, it's harder to get results. <coughs> Do you, yeah. When you're working with an individual, are you also kind of um, trying to keep an ear out for the family, the change of, the change of lifestyle for the family as well because yeah. if, if somebody's working on their own trying to do it it'd be very difficult if other people around them and the environment is still not willing to change at all yeah so i recently worked with this lady i mean she's only like late 30s lives in a joint family overweight and i said to her have you told your family how important this is to you for you to lose the weight she's like no i said sit down speak to them tell them what it is that you want to achieve because if you speak to them and the communication's open and they understand what you're doing and why you're doing it, more likely is that they're going to support you and probably going to change their eating habits too. And that is exactly what happened. She changed her eating habits. The family changed their eating habits. Everyone's being a bit more healthier. She's obviously thriving now because she's now in able, you know, being able to make the foods that she wants to make in her way. And I think communication, especially within when you're living in a joint family, is so important. But then I've worked with another client who, you know, the family wasn't supportive and when she was losing the weight obviously she's changing she's dressing differently so family didn't like it and they were like you know what's going on kind of thing but I was like you need to set your boundaries you're doing it for your health you're doing it for your children you're doing it so you know to increase your longevity that's important to you I'm not telling you to how crazy is that though isn't it the stigma that she's trying to better herself and then inadvertently people are trying to say you're having an affair but yeah because you're dressing better and you know you're a bit more confident. You're you know you're shining now. Your confidence coming through. You're happier now. Again, all these things are a byproduct. Increased confidence, happiness, feeling better, more energy levels. They're all a byproduct of having a healthier lifestyle, mm. of making that healthier choice. Yeah, yeah. And the risk of divorces goes up, is it? When you think, hang on, this you, you're the problem, ain't me? <laughs> oh dear, I hope not. <laughs> okay, I just want to bring it to a close uh, at this bit, but I do have a space where um, where I speak to the guests in terms of is there um, it is the bandwagon, so this is an opportunity to either jump on a bandwagon or jump off. So I've probably jumped off the keto carnival and the intermittent during this bit. Um, yeah. or, or is there a, uh, anything else that you'd like to get off your chest? This is your space to do so. If you've listened to this, the people that are watching this. Start to implement a Mediterranean-style lifestyle, a diet, move more, and just don't fall for any fad diets. Be really careful where you get information from. There are so many clowns on Instagram. It it drives me nuts. Mm, 
I can sense a little bit of needle there that there's definitely either somebody else that who does similar and it's rubbish. Or the, <laughs> so is it, you know, we do have charlatans is the is the, is the phrase, especially in, uh, in mm. treatment out there. Um, what does, for those people who don't know what a Mediterranean diet looks like, what, what is the core kind of fundamentals of that? You're looking at fresh fruits, fresh vegetables, proteins, even like fish, for example, in there, your beans, your pulses, your nuts olive oil, olives, all the really delicious foods you have. That is a Mediterranean style lifestyle. Fresh food. Fresh is best. I'm going to change my click and collect order as we speak and uh, make sure that, that it accommodates that. And I'm, not saying, I'm not sitting there saying never have a takeaway. Learn to incorporate in your diet, but most of your diet should come from fresh. Yeah. That's it. Thank you, Sharon. I really appreciate um, oh, taking, taking, yeah, no, taking the time out and going through this. It's a very, um, I know we've had a, a bit of humour to go through it, but sometimes it's the only way to try and go through a bit of a, a serious co uh, conversation. I'll be trying to do my uh, my best to try and highlight it to as many people as I can around around the awareness stuff. Um, and I think if there's a lesson to anyone, it's about be more Mediterranean. So you, you could go on there for a holiday as research, right? That that, that includes, if that's the, <laughs> the gimmick we can go with, then that'll be all right. Yeah. Yeah, if you want to do that, <laughs> go on holiday and go and do your research. And you'll sponsor it. Thank you very much. <laughs> thank you for thank you for coming on today. I really appreciate it. Oh, wicked. Thank you for having me. No problem.